and welcome to a brand new episode of Talking Law from Women in the Law UK. I'm Sally Penny, a barrister based in Manchester at Kenworthy's Chambers and the Joint Vice Chair of the Association of Women Barristers. I'm also the founder of Women in the Law UK, an organisation which is passionate about supporting the next leaders in law. Find out more at womeninthelawuk.com. You can also connect with us on social media. We'd love to hear from you. Find us on Instagram at Women in the Law UK. On this episode, I'm thrilled to talk to Gillian Long, who has been the company solicitor for Nichols PLC for 20 years, the company who make Vimto. I started by asking Jill how she became a solicitor and if there'd been anyone in the law in her family. There were no solicitors in the family. Um, my dad was a joiner. My mum uh, was a receptionist in this local swimming pool. I wanted to go to university. I was keen to um, continue my education. I wasn't very good at science, yes. um, which meant that uh, my dream career of being a vet was, uh, wasn't open to me. <laughs> so uh, the, I looked at the subjects that I was good at and thought, what can I do with those? And also, if I'm really honest, I didn't want to have to make any more decisions and I wanted something mapped out for me. So the law seemed to fit with my skills of English and history. That's why I went uh, for the law degree and uh, ended up being a solicitor. Wow. And can I ask you, when you were studying, were there many women? We know we're a predominantly women's organisation, if you like. We have lots of men who come to our events and supporters. But were there many women? Yeah, um, I show my age. Um, it was the 1980s, the yeah. mid-1980s, and I would say it was probably 50-50 on my degree course. Yeah, right. Because now, of course, it's 52%, certainly for the bar, and for solicitors, I think it's 60% for young women entering the bar. Yes. Uh, entering the, the profession as solicitors and others. So that's actually quite a good good ratio all round. It's later on that we don't see the same numbers replicated. That's in, right. In that's progression. Right. So you qualified as a solicitor. Was that into private practice? Yes, I did. Uh, I um, started working private practice in a firm of, in Leeds, uh, which is where I'd done my degree. And I did my training through um, that firm and worked in property and in litigation. But the area that I was particularly interested in, in fact, was the only one that I liked, if I'm honest, um, was the corporate department. Yes. So that's what I qualified into the corporate department. And that's where I worked for a couple of years. Yes. Are you from Leeds? No. Oh, right. Where are you from? No, I'm from um, a small village called Rainhill, oh. um, which is in Merseyside. It's, um, I would class myself as a scouser, but um, <laughs> real scousers would say that I wasn't. That you were very posh. <laughs> yeah, I'm really posh. <laughs> um, but um, you found yourself in Leeds having studied qualified. And um, we know now, of course, you are general counsel company solicitor but what happened in between why did you stay in private practice um, a lot of, a lot of things happened in between um, to be honest I was the 90, early 90s mid 90s and we went through a recession and there was very little work coming into the corporate department so unfortunately I was made redundant from that role um, so I had to look for something else and yes. there wasn't a lot about no. um, by which point my, this is the 80s 90s. 90s. This okay. was the 90s. Um, there were some roles down in London, but they, did, they didn't really suit my experience. Yes. Um, my now husband was working down in Essex, and um, so I moved down to Essex and managed to get a role at Kodak, 
uh, in Hemel Hempstead. Which oh, the was film, a, mate, the film. That's right, yeah. Oh, right. Um, yeah, it was based in Hemel Hempstead and uh, it was a low composition. Yes. So I worked there for six six months or so and that's where I really thought I really quite like the in-house role as opposed to the private practice one. Did you? Why was that? Because I, I, I've been a barrister for a long time and many listeners will have been solicitors or barristers or in-house counsel. What's the difference? What role suited you particularly so well that you thrived on it? The, the, there was one particular incident that happened while I was at Kodak that made me, it just clicked. I just thought, this is what I want to be. I, I was sitting in the office and we dealt with all kinds of commercial contracts, property issues and so on. And I picked the phone up to a supervisor in a depot, um, actually up on Merseyside. And the chap on the other end of the phone said, is that the legal department? So I said, uh, yes, how can I help you? And he said, how many toilets should we have? And I didn't know the answer to that question. I thought he'd come through to the wrong department. Yes. But in actual fact, the you know the legislation does tell you how many toilets you should have at each particular site, how many male and female toilets, how far away from the workplace they should be. So he was through to the right department. And what it said to me was that, and, the, and this, I suppose, is going back to the reason why I went into law in the first place, yes. was it affects everybody's life. Absolutely. In, in so many different ways that we don't even realise. I certainly didn't realise as an 18-year-old law student. But that phone call just made me realise that you could be that person. You could be at the end of the phone or in the meeting with the answers to people's questions that affect their daily life. Yes. So that, that, was, the, that was the phone call that made me think, I'm staying if I can, yes. I'm staying in-house. Wow. I mean, that is quite interesting, actually, mm. that a law is all around us and for us, really. Yeah, um, I think I think sometimes you, you can forget that. Yes. Yeah. So from Kodak, uh, where did you go? Well, I, I, was, I needed a permanent role. Yes. Obviously, that was a temporary one. So I did end up uh, working in a firm. Of, I got a role in a firm of solicitors in Brentwood in Essex, uh, doing commercial corporate law with a very good um, lawyer there who was the partner in that department. Yes. But I, I was never settled because I'd seen the other side, yes, I suppose. Yes, So I saw a role advertised at Britvic Soft Drinks for an in-house lawyer. And as I read the job description, I thought, that's the role for me. Wow. So I applied and got the role. And I was at Britvic for five and a half years. Loved every single minute of it. It was a fabulous place to work at that time. It was... Yeah. Um, Really enjoyable, really nice department, lots and lots of diverse issues and um, people to work with. It was it, the, We had contact with the Bass legal department in, in head office in London. So there were other lawyers to, to kind of work with as work well. With, yeah. Um, and yeah, I really, really, I'm soft drinks. It's a nice industry. I know, it's it's not, is that Robinson's? It, it was Robinson's, Ooh, yeah. yeah. Um, Tango and, yes. and brands like that. Yes. Um, but yeah, really enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, five and a half years down there and then wanted to move back up north because by then I'd had my eldest daughter and um, my husband's from the north as well. So we um, we started looking and at the same time as we started looking, Nichols was looking for its first in-house lawyer. Wow. So the stars were aligned and um, yeah. You went for the job. Happened. And, yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> so had they been sort of using, you know, solicitors or external yeah, they, they had, um, I can't remember what his job description was. There was a um, lovely, lovely man worked at Nichols when I arrived and he was retiring and David, his name was, and he he did everything. Really? Legally, you know, anything that nobody else wanted to touch, 
poor David got handed it. And he did use external lawyers quite a lot to, I mean, clearly at that time it was a smaller business. Yes, of course. But he, um, he used external lawyers all the time for contracts and things like that. He just managed it. Within the company. Within the company. Um, so, Jill, how long have you been at Nichols PLC? Um, in March this year, I'll have been there for 18 years. 18 years? Mm. Wow. Mm, it does sound a long time. It does, actually. And what sort of different changes have you seen in that time? Um, it's changed a lot. Mm. It's changed massively in that time. When I arrived, we had we were a manufacturing company. We had other companies that we owned, subsidiaries that did manufacturing in the food and drink industry. Um, over the years, that we, we've sold those businesses off, and we're now completely focused on the sales. And we have one factory down at Ross, which does our bag in box products. But other than that, we we focus completely on sales and marketing of the soft drinks. Wow! So, so the the workforce has changed. It's a different it's a different um, format of, of um, workers, and um, therefore the work the work that I have to do has changed because of that. The culture's still the same. It's yeah. still the friendly family company. Yes. Um, but yeah, I've seen a, a lot of changes and, and the company has grown tremendously in those 18 years. Wow. Nichols PLC, who make Vimto, it is a publicly listed company. It is. And it's huge. Um, and so I just wondered what, you know, what type of work do you do? Is the work interesting? And I just thought, can you tell us a bit about the sort of things you do? So, for example, it's big in the Middle East. So I'm thinking... Craig, are you flying over there? Do contracts? <laughs> oh, no, no, it's not that exciting. No, it's definitely not that exciting. Um, although it is exciting. It's a great place to work. It's, sure. um, you know, what a lovely brand. Yeah. Everybody certainly in Manchester and the Northwest knows who you work for. Yes. Most people smile when you say that you work for them and, and that's a lovely feeling. Absolutely. But, you know, Absolutely. You, make, you know, the, the brand that you kind of represent mm. um, has that effect on people. It's still a family business. Um, yes. John Nichols is the chairman and yes. his two sons work in the business and, and that you know that's a nice touch yeah absolutely absolutely um, and do you have direct um contact with my those? yeah my office is next door to john's oh right um so yeah i have i've um i've known long john obviously for the 18 years that i've worked there yes um but in terms of the role it's um it's anything and everything mm. it's um a lot of commercial contracts that's the main t- part of the role Clearly, trademarks is a, is a major issue because we, we trade in 85 countries across the world. Wow. Um, we have to protect the brand in all of those countries and make sure nobody's copying it yes. or trading off it. Um, then there's any property issues that we have, new leases, tenancies, that kind of thing, because we have depots around the country. Mm. As you say, the licensees in the yeah. uh, international sphere, yeah. uh, managing those. Yes. Although we do have long-term agreements with some of our colleagues and licensees around the world. So there's not really that much kind of management of those issues. Yes. Um, we have an out-of-the-home business that's growing. We've now got frozen beverages and the slush machines and that kind of thing. Oh, yes, I've seen that. Um, so there's consumer, <laughs> there's customer contracts with all of those people yes. um, that I kind of um, manage with the teams. Yeah. Uh, there's a little bit of litigation, but thankfully not very much. Not very much, good, really good. Really try and avoid that. <laughs> um, so yeah, anything and everything that you can, you know, I, have to, I do training, legal training and, and invite colleagues in and, and present right. to them on legal issues. Try and... Try and impart enough knowledge for them to understand when they should come to the legal department for advice. Yes. Not make them lawyers. No. But no. make them, enable them to know when alarm bells should be ringing yes. and when they should be getting things checked. That is brilliant. Uh, well, can I ask you then, what skills do you think 
as required for a good GC. I mean, I'm not saying general counsel, but company solicitor, because you have to actually be embodied into the business is the impression I'm getting. You do have to be part of the business. You have to understand the business and take some time to, to spend time with people who do roles that are completely alien to you as a lawyer yes um you know you have to go out with the sales guys you have to go out with the technicians and see what they do on a day-to-day basis one of my roles is uh, heading up health and safety yeah so as part of that you you have to understand what people are, are doing in their daily job in order yeah. to make sure that we've got the policies and procedures to protect them mm. i think the skills that you need you need to be able to listen yes and observe mm. and know what's going on because if you don't know what's going on then you can't advise properly. So so the key thing, I think, is to listen. And also one of the things I learned in a role in the past yes. um, from somebody else um, was you must make yourself approachable. Mm. You cannot be, you know, the, the scary lawyer in the yes, in, in the, the room or something. Yeah, you, yeah. you can't be that person. You have to be uh, approachable to everybody. So mm. from the board, John Nichols, Marnie, whatever, all across the business to every every colleague that you've got should be quite happy to pick the phone up and ask you whether there are enough toilets, for example. Um, <laughs> I'm going to remember that. <laughs> they need to be comfortable enough to do that. You, and, and that's a skill, I think. Yes, absolutely. Can I ask you about gender diversity in the law and perhaps a bit about race and gender and social class? It's still not great in private practice. Is it better, do you think, in in house positions? There's certainly more women I come across. Um, I think certainly that the uh, gender diversity, as you say, mm. you know, I go to courses for in-house lawyers and I would say it may even be as high as 70, 30 yeah, in favour of women at, absolutely. at those courses. Yes. Um, but ha- what I do notice at courses mm. is, and I think you mentioned, you referred to it earlier, is you get a, a lot of younger solicitors yes. so up to about 30-ish and then you get the more mature solicitors yes. and I'll include myself in that and the, there is a gap, gap. there's Absolutely. a gap of women and and clearly what they're doing is is you know what you and I have both done is mm. is starting their families mm. and realizing and again I'm surmising from from what I can see in front of me that they can't do both mm. and or not do both as well as they would like to do absolutely, to them. absolutely. so they're making that choice and yeah. i think there's there's therefore that one there's the gap of talent mm. but two there's then that difficulty of getting back in and yes. and how do you go from spending time with your children and starting your family to to coming Return. back in and, and how is that perceived yes by your colleagues and your you know your potential clients yeah i absolutely. think it is a problem how did you manage because i know one of your children was a keen swimmer as well so you had all that yeah, I've, um, um, but both of well. my children are very keen to um, do stuff. They, <laughs> and rather well as well. I see, I'm no doubt you're a taxi. <laughs> but yeah, well, yeah, we, you know, we've all done it, haven't we? To, yeah. to greater or lesser degrees, we've, um, you know, we have to, swimming in particular, I think, is, is a challenge because oh, yes. of the times that they, they go swimming. Yes. But my other daughter has done gymnastics for several years. So I think there's... You, do, you have to manage your time. You have to be quite ruthless about turning your phone off and, and just having to disassociate yourself with work for yes. a little while. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you have to hopefully have a partner who shares the load with you so that it doesn't just fall on you. Yes. And and I, that's all you can do, really. You mm. can just try your very best. And, and what I've had has been a very supportive employer. 
and my role and my job and, and the firm I've worked for has enabled me. I work part time. We have flexible hours. Yes, um, that that just gives you that that comfort that you can get to parents' evening or yes. get to the swimming gala or, yes. or whatever without compromising either of yes. your two roles, your, your working life and, and being a mum. Being a mum, which is a full-time role. Um, I've got to ask you, Marnie Millard, who's the CEO of uh, and, a, and a dear friend of mine and will be coming on the podcast, uh, has spoken at several Women in the Law UK events in the past uh, and has attended uh, as a guest of mine. And one of the things... She says about leading from the top. So having role models who are senior, who are not staying till 10 o'clock at night, every night, um, unless, of course, is required and warranted uh, by the client. But leading from the top, so people see you leaving at four o'clock and see you going to the swimming gala. Uh, and, uh, and she has been keen to lead from the top, especially as a woman in manufacturing, of which there are many. And I just wondered if that is, is useful in your company as a lawyer to see that you know i think i think i think it is useful i think i think people need to to know that you're doing that i think you need to be quite explicit about it rather than because people don't know why you're leaving you could be going to a very important meeting yes. you know with the external lawyers or whatever yeah. so so i think it, it is important and but i think it's it's quite important simply as a figurehead so that the the women in the company who are younger can look and see that what is achievable because they've got Marnie there, you know, as the chief exec, we've got, we, you know, we've got directors within the business who are, who are uh, women, yes. who are mums. Um, so you can, you can see that it is possible. I would have liked it if I'd have been, I mean, I had, I suppose when I was in private practice, very first role, Yes. just as I arrived, um, we had a very senior lady partner mm. um, retire. And, you know, that, that stayed with that firm for a while. I think that, that, you know, I mean, I'm, that's, I'm talking about the you know, very early 90s yeah. then, and she was retiring at that point when she was a senior partner. So so that legacy yeah. hopefully would then stay with the firm that that is achievable and, and it's a possibility. Yeah, and, and good role, role modelling. What do you do for well-being? You're the general counsel for this enormous firm. How do you relax? Um, <laughs> what some, do you do for sometimes, well-being? Sometimes with difficulty. Yes. Um, but um, I do a lot of sport. Yeah. Uh, I play a lot of sport. It's probably where the girls get it from. Yes. Um, so I um, I play netball still once a week. Wow. Um, yeah. Although netball's become vicious. I tried to play <laughs> last year and I got a cut. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was lucky because uh, we, we've we've had broken bones in our team. And, uh, oh, crikey. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's not a non-contact sport anymore. No. Um, it's not what it was when uh, when I was playing. In, yes, uh, me too. I was, yes, so it's not the same anymore. So yeah, that that's. Um, I mean, what a great way to forget oh, about oh, work. Yeah. You, oh, yeah, you know, by the time you've played forty minutes of netball, you are not thinking about work anymore. Um, so I play that once a week. Um, I go, I run. Um, right. So I do, you know, I do part run. That's obviously oh, very, yes, very popular. Yes, every Saturday yeah. morning. So yeah. I do that. Uh, go to the gym, do Pilates, and um, and we have a Labrador, three-year-old Labrador that oh. it just, yeah. And again, that's so relaxing to take her for a walk, throw the ball for her. Yeah. yeah. And and give you headspace as yeah. well. Yeah. 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 And obviously, you know, taxiing children and trying to make sure homework gets done. And, oh, yes. Um, FaceTiming university students and that kind of thing. <laughs> um, no, that's very helpful. I need to make a note of all of that. <laughs> Do you have a favourite book 
Or and, a, um, and a favourite fictional lawyer. Okay, so so the, the favourite book threw me a bit, um, if I'm honest. That's all right. Um, I read a lot of books. Yes, I, and, thought, I thought you would. And I kind of, it. you know, I just churned through them. I read some of them, you know, I really, really enjoy and, and I would, um, you know, I'd read a particular author. But I um, went to see Little so Women you, last night. Right, so firstly, do you read the physical books? Yes, because when I interviewed Gina Miller, she says she's so busy, she struggles. She listens to them on Audible, no, which no, I do sometimes, but it's a bit, yes, something yeah, in really your hand. Like a book. Yeah, yes. not, not even a Kindle. I yeah. try, I've tried it, but I can't do it. I like a book. I quite like a hardback book. Oh, do you? Um, yeah, oh, I, I like, yeah, I like a book. Um, so, watch Little Women last night. So, yes. I might dig that out again, because oh, yes. kind of that brought back yes. some memories. Yes, really I good love film. that book. So, you've seen the new film, which yeah, is that, out now. Yeah. Ooh. yeah, it was wow. good. Was yeah, it good? Really, yeah, feel good. Nice sort of couple of hours at the cinema. Um, and then the one I'm reading at the moment, uh, my husband bought me for Christmas, and it's called How to Grow Old by John Bishop. Um, the comedian? Yes. <laughs> and and it's really funny. Is it? It's, yeah, it's just, you know, obviously he's a scouser, so um, I would say that, wouldn't I? But he is. It's funny. It's laugh out loud, and yeah. it's, you know, it's relaxing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. So who's your favourite fictional lawyer? Do you have one? I mean, many um, would say Atticus Finch is one of mine, Rumpel the Bailey. I did enjoy, actually, do you know what? That's brought back some memories of, you know, when you asked at the beginning, why did you go into law? Yes. You know, yeah. I remember coming home at lunchtime. I think there was some sort of teacher's dispute and we weren't allowed in school and Crown Court was on, so I used oh, to watch that. Yes. Um, so I have always liked those, those courtroom dramas, but um, my my favourite, and it's not very highbrow, is um, Judge John Dean. <laughs> it's my mum's favourite. <laughs> she thinks there's nothing I've ever been on television as good as him. Well... Exactly. What's not to like with Martin Shaw and um, <laughs> memories of the professionals? And he's just, yes. I just like the, you know, he's quite maverick in it, isn't he? Yes. And he's quite amusing. Yes. So, so, yeah, I'd say he's my favourite. Oh, great. Oh, I have to remember that. Uh, just very, very quickly and finally, what, what do you think we can do to improve the diversity in the legal profession, particularly near the top? Um, I think. I think it's a very difficult question, which is clearly why it's not been answered. Exactly, um, exactly. I think it needs to come from the top. Mm. I think we need to see um, examples of, as you say, talking about Marnie, you need to see examples of successful people yes. um, across the whole, you know, the whole sphere, because that will then inspire other people. Mm. But but I think each individual can can kind of do their little part by respecting each other. And, and having respect for different views, different opinions, different backgrounds. Um, I think my two girls, when I was asked the question, I had to think about this. You know, the younger generation are, are much more open yes. to all kinds of diversity. It's absolutely no issue to them yes. whatsoever. Yes. They think we are mad. Yes. Um, that anything, everybody should be accepted for who they are. And given respect for who they are, no matter what, they 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 just do not understand a mentality Absolutely. that doesn't do that. And yes. I think we've got a lot to learn from them. But also, it gives you a bit of hope. Yes. It gives you a bit of hope that maybe in the future this new generation will come through, and some of these problems will will sort of be gone, effectively, yes. be, yeah. be solved. And then finally, you and I met Nisha Katona, the entrepreneur, former barrister who set up the Mowgli Restaurant. Yes. And she was so inspirational, uh, having you know given up her uh, uh, practice as a barrister after I think twenty years, which is coming up to what I am actually. 
um, and um, founded this series of restaurants, which are kind of vegan uh, and amazing. Uh, and I just wondered, you know, whether you had any women who inspired you. Yeah, I think, I mean, she she is inspirational. I think, but, but more than anything, what she's inspirational about is the fact that she took a chance, didn't yes, she? Yes, And I think that's the key. And I think it's one of Marnie's um, mm. that, you know, say yes to things. In terms of who inspired, my mum has been, you know, just supported me into, as I say, my background is not legal. It's not academic. Mm. But my mum and dad both just allowed me to do what I wanted to do. Mm. And I think that's a... You know, that's a good message to give to your children and to future generations and other people. Just be who you want to be and do what you want to do. Absolutely. And finally, really, what's your favourite quote? I asked you earlier about your favourite book or books that you read, because I know you read a lot, and your favourite fictional lawyer, and Judge John Deed came out. And (laughs) I wondered if you had a favourite quote that you live by or mean something to you. Um, My favourite quote, and it's not anything you'll read anywhere, it's not from a famous person. My husband and I were queuing up to get on the Staten Island ferry must be more than 20 years ago because it was before children. Yes. And there was a busker at the side and obviously we were all queuing to go over and see the Statue of Liberty and I can't do a New York accent, but he was in a very strong New York accent. And he said, guys, guys, it's not the tall buildings. It's the people that you meet that are important. And it just, it has stayed with us for 20 years. It's a kind of a catchphrase for Gary and I you know when you've met somebody interesting yes um, or you've had a, a funny interaction with somebody we just say it's not the tall buildings that's amazing I love that I'm gonna adopt it that's actually really yes the people you meet because yeah. ultimately life is about the people you it meet is, yeah. um, and the culture as you said yeah I think he was trying to say to people you know it's kind of you're going to see a, something and, you know, it's just a building, it's just a piece of stone. Yes. Um, as you say, if you think about it, it, I don't know whether he thought about it that intensely. Yeah. But but I think it's a really, really good one. Because it is, it's just, you know, that's what makes your day, isn't it? If you've yeah. had some interaction with somebody or you've met somebody interesting or just somebody funny or just somebody nice. Yes. Yeah, I love that. And on that note, thank you so much, Joe Long. Thank you, Sam. Thank you again for listening to Talking Law with me, Sally Penny. You can find me on Twitter at SallyPenny1. Please do leave us a review. We'd love to get your feedback. Don't forget to visit us at womeninthelawuk.com for all the latest news about our organisation. Thank you again for listening. Talking Law was produced by Sam Walker and is a What Goes On Media production.